kingdom builder. I'm excited about where God has us as a church. Many of you already know last week we finished out at the county fair. How, uh, how many of you were able to either go or you helped serve in that? Look at all the hands that are around. There were some in the first service as well. That was awesome. We were right next to a booth. It was interesting. And, and, the guy, and he was a Christian. It was the Christian karate guy. How many of you remember seeing him? And he asked me at the end, he said, uh, what was your objective being out here? That's what he said. And, and he, like I said, he's a Christian. He saw us playing the little Plinko game and giving candy away. Uh, and by the way, we gave out pro over 600 of the little tubes of sugar just to hype up our kids or as they went. <laughs> I mean, it was uh, the little sandy candy, so it was, it was fun. We gave out oh, between seven and 800 invites for our Freedom Church. Like, I don't know, how many prizes, Randy, did we figure between bags and little stress balls and water? Anyway, all of that. I say that. Why were we out there? Can I give you what our vision statement is? It is to bring people that are far from God, close to God, as we love Jesus and others faithfully. So what we were doing is we were loving Jesus, but we were loving our community. Amen. That's what God has called us to do. Uh, Apostle Paul said this. He goes, after all, who's Apollos? Who's Paul? We're only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work God gave us. I planted the seed in your heart. Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So you know what we were doing at the fair? We were planting seeds, right? We were watering. I got some pictures up here. I didn't get everybody that helped at the fair, but I got some of them. And uh, there were just a lot of people. There's David handing out the candy right there. And, and I like, here's one and Billy having a... Uh, and it was just conversations that were taking place. It was such an amazing time uh, that was going on. And uh, here's a few more of them right here. Just some incredible conversations with people that we may not normally come in contact with. That's what God has called us to do. And let me just say, uh, we live in a culture that is very leery of church. Yeah. All right? They've been taught one thing. Maybe they've seen on You watch enough TV and you'll never want to go to church again in your life. Right? Because they make it sound like Christians are these hypocritical, judgmental, starchy, stiff, you know, make us look horrible. That's not even the reality. And in turn, it makes Jesus look bad. So our strategy for going out there was just to love people. And yes, there were, and I, I mentioned this, there were two other booths out there that represented a couple other churches. All they had was a bunch of literature, basically. And I actually spoke with both of them. And they said, oh, yeah, we've had a few people come by. Uh, can I tell you, based on our invites, giving out almost 800 of them, and some of those were families of three, four, five people, we had literally over, over 1,000 people that came by our booth and interacted with us, right? And can I just say, that happened. We were trying to break down that cultural misconception of who Jesus is, what the church is, just simply by being, get this, friendly. Right? Isn't that odd? By having conversations that can point people to Jesus, by giving an invite. Like I said, those stereotypes are there uh, because, again, 
This is our vision statement. This is what God has called us to do. That's why we're out there. That's why we're having Freedom Sunday next Sunday. And, and let me just say, statistically, if you know, like in the church world, there's Sundays that are really high, like Easter, Christmas. There's some that are really low, like Memorial Day weekend, Father's Day weekend. Isn't that sad? July 4th weekend is usually one of the lowest attended because everybody's on, you know, doing something which is understandable, nothing wrong with that. But can I tell you, as a church, that's one of our biggest outreach days because we want to reach our community with the gospel. We want people to come. We created an atmosphere that's actually fun, but guess what? They're still going to get the word. Amen? We're not here to give fun for fun's sake. We want people to know Jesus. So as I've been praying over this, I was going to start a different series today, but I really felt like the Lord... Uh, wanted me to challenge us as a church right here because I feel like as a church we're really at a pivotal place and uh, we could continue to function as we have as a church and and currently just giving you I don't always share stuff like this but as a church with both services we average 90 to 100 people Uh, if everybody actually came to church that belongs to this church on the same Sunday how many of you know the odds in that are we would probably have 120, 130, and that's actually a healthy church. That's a decent size. The average church in America, may surprise you, is only 65 people. So what does that say when you've got churches that are running 1,000 plus? Uh, there are some churches that are like at 20 people. So we're, we're at a decent place as far as that goes, and we could just kind of coast along. But how many of you know God hasn't called any of us to coast? No, he's called us something. So I believe God has called us to something more. Something more. What does that look like? Again, here's our vision statement. What it looks like is somehow us reaching our community, bringing them close to Jesus, seeing them grow in him. Uh, It's about building not Freedom Church, but it's about building his kingdom. Amen. Amen? That's what we... and, And it's about you and I being available to allow God to build his kingdom through us. How many of you know you are the agent God uses to build his church? Right? Not like sometimes people like, uh, and I've I've heard this analogy before, like like farmers in the barn, and they're saying, oh God, would you send a big wind and uproot all of that wheat and blow it into the barn here? Does that happen? No, the farmer's actually got to go out there into the field and bring it in. Sometimes churches are huddled together and they're saying, oh God, would you bring people by? Would you bring them? Let me just say this, because we know where our church is. Nobody accidentally drives by our church. (laughs) Am I right? It's like, I didn't even know you guys were out here. So what does that mean? Especially for us, we got to go out where people are. We got it. It's funny. I mean, we had a couple that visited our first service today. I said, oh, how did you? I I assume she they heard about us from the fair. They go, oh, well, we go to the gym right down the road there, which is where Pastor Colleen and I go. And we stuck a little Freedom Church invite on their little cardboard about two years ago. (laughs) It took two years for that seed to do something right. So but it's about loving people. It's about being there. Jesus said this. Let me bump to it. He says, I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build Freedom Church. Amen. Did he say that? No, he says, I'm going to build my church and the powers of hell. And here's the thing. We always focus on because Peter means rock, and he used rock here. But you know what he's telling Peter? Hey, listen, through you, 
I'm going to build my church. Through you. Everybody point to somebody and say, through you. God is going to build his church. That's how it works. So not our church, not my particular, but his church is being built. So the something more is you and I positioning ourselves to be used by God to help build his church. Does that make sense? It's you and I being able to say, like Jesus at the age of 12 made this statement when his mom and dad accidentally left him back in Jerusalem. Anybody ever leave your kids on accident? Let's be honest here. Okay, my hand's up. So uh, it happens, right? You know what? Where's Junior at? I don't know. But, uh, but they left him. And uh, what did Jesus say? He goes, why'd you need to search for me? Didn't you know that I would be in my father's house? And I like one translation said, I would be about my father's business or his affairs. Didn't you know that I would be doing the things that God has called me? As a follower of Christ, if you have accepted Jesus, how many of you realize all of us should be about the father's affairs? We are in God's business. We, sometimes we want God to bless our business when the reality is if we will do what God called us to do, be a part of his business, then he will bless the things we do. That's just how it works. So what does it look like? A little bit different for everybody because, yes, we, the Scripture says we are the body of Christ, so the hand functions a little different than the foot. Uh, somebody's a finger in the body of Christ. Somebody's a wrist in the body of Christ. And, yes, I know it's sad, but somehow someone's got to be the armpit. Okay? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Lean over and smell your neighbor, see if it's... No, I'm just kidding. So uh, everybody's got different things we do. Everybody has different functions, and that's a good thing. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. So uh, I want to break down Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, because I believe in those few verses, and I talked about this a, uh, a few weeks ago, but it's signs of a healthy church. In, in an early part of Acts, we see where the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church, and they were now ready, they were now empowered to be the church that God called them to be. And so we get a glimpse of what the early church looked like, and I believe that was a healthy, growing church at that time. That's something that you and I, how many of you know the churches today can glean from that? Amen? So I want to give you 12 signs of it. Starts out in Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So number one in your notes is that a healthy church is a learning church. Amen? We are growing. You never get to the point where like, I know that. I know that. I know. I've heard that story. I know that. No, we need to continue to grow. Every one of us can grow. I read a story about Billy Graham, 90-something years old. He said he was still learning. He was still learning. And uh, one of our values as a church, you can look it up on the internet, it's on there, uh, is the Bible. It's our foundation. God's Word is our guide, our authority, and the infallible truth in everything. We stand firm where it stands firm. We remain flexible where it remains flexible. We are intentional in keeping the Bible central to all ministry and teaching. Amen? God's Word really is our foundation. We don't ignore the difficult passages just because it might make you feel uncomfortable, right? We don't do... Last week, if you were here last week, I talked about Thomas Jefferson and how he made his own Bible and cut out the parts he didn't like. How many of you know we don't do that? We keep it all. First of all, how many of you know we don't allow politics, we don't allow preferences or personal opinions to dictate what we do? Amen? 
All right. Because let me just be honest. There is a pressure in our world today to preach opinions and to preach politics, especially over the last few years. And some churches have done that and actually developed a following. All right. Let me tell you, I'm not looking to get people following me for a political opinion. We want God's word. Amen. Amen. Now, let me just say this. Don't get me wrong, because I do have opinions. I got a lot of them. Anybody else have opinions here? Come on, let me see your hand, right? Uh, We're not comparing to what they are, but we all have them, right? Uh, I have political opinions. I really do. I don't talk about it from here because here's the reality. My opinions don't change lives, right? My opinions do not transform hearts. My opinions do not heal the brokenhearted. Right? So that's why I stick to the Bible. That's why we stick to the Bible. We may not all have the same opinion, but guess what? We should all have the same purpose, is to develop lifelong followers of Jesus. Amen? That's why we're here. We want to be a lifelong follower. We want other people to be that lifelong follower. So i got to stick my opinions all to the side and focus on Him. Amen? So that was number one. Uh, second part of the verse, he says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Anybody like fellowship? Because, yeah. like, that means food, doesn't it? Yeah. Right? Anybody like food? Yeah. Okay, I'm glad to see that. If you didn't, you wouldn't be here today. So uh, think about that one for a minute. But fellowship simply means spending time together. We need to learn to spend time together, having dinners together, having parties, connecting in relationship. This is about a family being together, having a relationship, and actually loving each other. Amen? So we do that. So a healthy church, number two, is a loving church. We want to be a loving church. The Christian journey is not designed for you to walk alone. That's why we want you to get involved in a ministry. Get involved in one of our life groups, our prayer group, our men's Bible study. Listen, I love online church, and anybody that's watching online, I'm glad that you can connect that way. But there is a community that we all need to be a part of, where we actually meet together. How many of you know we really are, I know it's kind of a cliche, we are really better together. Amen? We really are. And because that is one of the things that we value, a couple of years ago, we started our life. Actually, we had life groups going, and then COVID hit. That blew everything up. We started them back again. But they've, it's been kind of a skeletal aspect of our life groups. They're going. It's kind of like we rolled a rock down the hill, and it's just rolling. I have felt the need to step this ministry. But for that to happen, I just didn't have the time uh, to really put into it. So I began to pray. I needed a point person that had a passion and a heart for this. And I felt that God uh, put the right person on my heart. So a month ago, I approached this individual and asked them to pray about it. They prayed about it. Last week, said, yes, I want to be a part of it. So I know I didn't prep you for this, uh, Christina, but... Did you want to say anything? Christina is going to be our new, uh, and this is really, it's an unpaid staff position, but our life group director. Amen? So, uh, and, and what does that entail? It means giving more purpose to our life groups, more intentionality to our life groups, seeing them begin to develop a whole lot better than just rolling a rock down a hill. I mean, it's like, Okay, I had bad analogies in my head. Let me move on. Here's the thing. This fall in in September, we are starting an alpha marriage small group. 
Amen? So uh, we're, we're praying about starting one in El Dorado Hills. A couple of months ago, we started a young adult small group. And uh, there's, there's young... How many of you know it's important for young adults to begin to meet together? Tuesday mornings, Bob and Marilyn have a small group here. Tuesday night in Pollock Pines. Is it Tuesday? Right? Uh, Sunday night in rescue. Listen, we want to see more of that because in a small group, that's where we actually connect, isn't it? I mean, I, I greeted a few of you guys this morning, but it's like, how many of you know you don't really develop much of a relationship like, hey, how are you doing? Hey, how are you doing? We need to spend time together. That's really, that's really what creates a loving church. Amen. Let me move on. I could spend some time on that. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and to prayer. prayer. Amen? Another one of our values as a church is that a healthy church is a praying church. And I know that sounds kind of like, well, isn't that how all churches are? Uh, no, it isn't. So, I mean, not that all churches don't pray, but how much of a priority is it? For us, it's one of our value statements as well. Prayer and worship. I'm going to talk about that one in a minute. But connecting with God through prayer and worship is absolutely essential. Times of prayer, passionate praise is at the forefront of our gathering. And, uh, and earlier, Pastor Colleen, it's like, let's pray for our young families. It's like, wait a minute. You know, kind of a break's on that. Well, let's actually do it. It's one thing to talk about prayer. It's a different thing to actually do it. And, you know, we do it on Sunday. You need to have your own personal prayer time. Amen? We all need that. But can I say that there is something vital and, and biblical about having corporate prayer? Where we come together, and listen, that's what we do on Thursday nights. I know not everybody can make it, but if you can, I believe that there are breakthroughs happening, not just in our church, because there's a group of people that come together on Thursday night to pray. It's not a big group. But I want to tell you, I believe that God is hearing, you know, and some of the people I know that come to that, God is hearing that, and we're seeing breakthrough happen. Amen? Well, what kind of breakthrough are you having? Uh, are you seeing? Well, let me just say, like a couple of years ago, some of you guys are aware of this, and I, I said, we only had maybe three or four kids. Samantha was like the first one. We didn't have many. Now we've got kids coming, and uh, God is growing that ministry. I believe it's because there's a group of people that come together and pray. Amen? Not only that, i got three more grandkids coming. So thank you guys for praying, right? So uh, I appreciate that. And they're like, oh, fear and trembling going on. Anyway, <laughs> Thursday night's there. Verse 43, let's move on. Everybody was filled with awe. Right, everybody say ah. Yeah. So, uh, here's the thing: they were in awe not because of what God was doing through. You know, like oh, look what I did. You know what I did this and this amazing thing happened. I'm just so good. No, they were in awe because of what God was doing. Right? When God is moving, they realized it wasn't about them; it was about God using them. Amen. So, number four is a healthy church is a humble church. There are no superstars here. I know this is going to come as a shock to some of you guys, but I am not a superstar pastor. I know. Isn't that a shock? Like, nobody knows my name, right? We put signs up before, and they're like, oh, do you want to put your name on it? I'm like, why? Who knows me? My name is, ooh, Scott Williams is speaking at that church, right? I do not have that name. My name doesn't, Jesus' name needs to go up there, right? 
He's the draw, not me. So I'm not a superstar. God gets all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. And listen, this was made abundantly clear in our men's Bible study on Friday. For some of you men that come to that, we don't get any of the glory. We don't get any of the credit. Someone made that statement back there. We get none of it. And then someone else made this statement right here that I'm pointing to. You get nothing. (laughs) Now, this is a little bit of an insight. You would have had to been to our men's Bible study to get that. But we don't get any of the glory. The minute I start taking glory and thinking, oh, man, I'm doing pretty good. You know what? There's where you lose the anointing of God. It's all God. He gets all. We've got to stay humble. And the humbler we stay, the more God uses us. Isn't that true? The humbler we stay, we get nothing. So uh, I did that for you there, Joshua. So (laughs) Acts 2.43, many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And so number five is that a a healthy church is a supernatural church, right? Where God is actually doing something that we cannot do. We depend on God to do miracles, not us. Several weeks ago, I spoke about the Holy Spirit, and then I talked about uh, the nine gifts of the super, uh, that are supernatural. This morning, there was tongues, there was prophecy. doesn't happen every week, but it does happen. Healings, miracles, those have taken place. I don't want to be at a part of church where supernatural isn't there. Yeah. Amen? We need God. And, and, and I gave this example because we were at the fair, And I was talking to this one couple. My wife was uh, towards the back, but she felt like God had a word for that lady and wasn't even in our conversation, but she came up. She goes, I feel like God has me, wants me to share this word with you. She started sharing that. I don't know what she said because now I'm out of the conversation, which is okay. Uh, But she, uh, she shared that word with her and like almost immediately this gal started crying. Like within 30 seconds, God took a supernatural gift, spoke a word into somebody. They hugged like they'd been best friends all their life. And that lady, even when she was walking away, just kept looking back like, what just happened here? (laughs) Right? How many of you know that's supernatural? I want to be a part of that. And I don't say that to uplift her because I know there were some other amazing things that happened with, with many of you that were out there. But we believe in the supernatural. Amen? Amen? Can I just say this as well? When somebody is on drugs and alcohol and gets delivered, how many of you know that's supernatural? Am I right? Am I right? Because you can go into a program and stop it for a while, but for it to really happen, it's a God thing. It's not just a matter of, okay, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it. God has to come in and bring deliverance. Amen? When a marriage that was heading for divorce all of a sudden reconciles, Can I tell you, that's supernatural. When somebody is healed physically, spiritually, emotionally, I believe that's supernatural. When a person that is steeped in depression all of a sudden starts walking around with the joy of the Lord, like, whoa, what happened to you? That's supernatural, amen? Like when a greedy person has all of a sudden become a giving person, there's something super. When a sinner comes to Jesus, how many of you know that's the best supernatural? Amen. That's the best supernatural. And and let me just say, signs and wonders, not exclusively for the ones with reverend in front of their name. God wants to use all of us in his supernatural plan. Amen. Every one of us. So again, I don't want to be the church where supernatural is not normal. I want to be there where it's normal. Amen. All right. Number six, we're moving on. All the believers were together. Everybody say together. 
and had everything in common. So number six, a healthy church is unified. God can use unity in ways that we can never imagine. And that is why I believe, especially over the last few years, the enemy has really tried to divide the church. Haven't you seen it? People have left churches because they don't agree with this and they don't agree with that. I don't think they're doing the right thing. Let me just give you guys a warning here at Freedom Church. You're not going to agree with everyone in this church. There's actually people that have different opinions. If you want a church where everybody agrees from you with you, you're going to be the only one in that church. You'll be the only one in there. And let me just say this. You may not agree with every decision leadership makes. What is that going to do? You know, that's kind of where the rub is right there. Do I run when I don't agree with something? Because if you do, I want you to hear me. If you do, you're going to be running from church to church all your life. Isn't that true? We can have unity without uniformity. Does that make sense? We can be in unity and still have disagreements on things. I mean, let me just put it this way. If everybody looks the same, everybody talks the same, everybody acts the same, everybody dresses the same, everybody votes the same, everybody has the same opinions, how many of you know that's called a cult? That's creepy. If you've ever walked into that, that's creepy, right? That's not the body of Christ. I believe it's time for Christians to grow up, stop allowing disagreements to separate us. Amen? It's time for us to rally around the cross of Christ because he's the unifier for us. Amen? Listen, when people don't act like each other, when they don't look like each other, when they don't talk like each other or think always the same, how many of you know that's what the body of Christ looks like? Because we're all different. God celebrates that. God, you know, uh, that's what makes the body of Christ beautiful. Amen? Because we are a body. We're all different. And, and listen, because somebody's different, guess what? They might offend you sometimes. And not only that, how many of you realize you might offend somebody else? It, it's crazy, right? But guess what unity chooses to do? It chooses to work through that rather than run from that. Amen? We choose to work through that and, and allow God to get the glory and us to become better for it. Amen? Verse 45, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone who had need. So that's number seven, is a healthy church is a generous church. Amen? Made up of generous people. I want to tell you that Freedom Church has got a lot of generous people. Whenever there's a need and we've presented it, let me tell you, God has uh, provided through you. See, here's the thing. It's not about what or how much you got. It's about what you do with what you do have. Amen. What do I do with what I have? Generous with your money. Yes, that's one of the things. That's always the thing we think of the most. But also being generous with your time. You know, those that made it out to the fair, that served there at the fair, that was uh, being generous with your time. Those that are going to be serving next week, uh, let me just say this about uh, service as well. The ladies that serve in our nursery and to children in general, those are the most generous people in our church. Can I tell you why? Because they're not in here doing this. They're in there changing poopy diapers. And it's, it, it can be, a, that's an act of service, but that is such an act of generosity that I believe gets an extra, uh, extra I'm, I'm just going to tell God, extra uh, benefits in heaven, amen? <laughs> Giving attention, right? We want to be selfish, I'm all about me, but you can be generous with your time, with your intention, be generous with your love. 
Don't just love those in your circle. Begin to love those outside. And, and I love that. I love that, that somebody new can come into church here and uh, sometimes they get overflooded with like, oh man, this is a loving church. All right? People actually care. So listen, this is why as a church we give to missions. And let me just say this. Not every church gives to missions. A lot of them are very inward focused. Oh, we got to take care of our needs. we got to do our thing. But let me tell you, there are people that are going to be in heaven that we will never meet on this side of heaven because we are a generous church. Like you and I, we are not personally in Africa. And I'm just going to highlight a few of our missionaries. We support Ron and Donna Mueller, missionaries to Angola. How many of you know you are in Angola because we support these people? Not only that, they raised their two daughters who are both now adults. One of them married uh, another missionary kid in Angola. They now live there raising their kids. And, and listen, we have a part in that. Amen? Joel and Mandy Corbin, they were here, he was here a few months ago. Some of you guys remember. And uh, they had a baby while they were in West Africa. And let me just tell you, West Africa is not a first world country. Right? It was very third world, huts, dirt. Like, would anybody here want to raise your kids in that? No. <laughs> exactly. But you know what? They are there serving, and we help support them. At, that's that generosity. It, we are in Af West Africa. What about uh, Steve and Glenda Evans, missionaries to Zimbabwe? I don't know if you can tell. They look like they should be retiring. But you know what? They're like, no, we're going to continue to serve here. We're going to continue to tell people about Jesus here. I mean, I've heard people, I'll retire when I go to heaven. As long as I'm here on this earth and physically able, I'm going to keep serving him. So we are in Zimbabwe. Uh, not only, and what about in uh, Europe? Earl and Tammy Schrock, they are missionaries in Poland. And you know, Poland is a very unchristian nation, post-Christian. And, but you know what? Their ministry blew up when the Ukraine uh, war blew up because everybody was escaping there. Now they've got their hands full uh, ministering to so many people. And guess what? You and I are there through generosity, right? Uh, Jose and Ashley Talaveras, missionaries to Spain, raising their kids there. And you're like, Spain? Well, that's kind of a nice area. But let me tell you, when you're in a foreign country, even if it's a nice country, uh, it's a challenge. It's a sacrifice. And we are seeing people come to, they are seeing people come to the Lord. We have a part of that. Uh, what about our missionaries to the Ukraine? I'm going to try to pronounce, I'm just going to, he says to call him Stan in Shnizana. So probably saying it wrong. That just this past week, they had a rocket explode right outside of their house for women uh, with kids. And it broke some of the windows that were there. What was it, a few weeks ago when the Russians blew up the dam? It was flooding their town. They're filling sandbags there. And guess what? Because of your generosity, we've been able to help buy a van for them. We've been able to help support them, help bless them uh, with, with numerous things. So it's all your generosity. In uh, Central and South America, David and Amy Cartwright in, in Costa Rica raised their kids. They're, they're now living in the States, but we're supporting them. Henry and Yvonne Smith in Ecuador. They are ministering, winning people to the Lord. Uh, Mark and Sarah Brown, missionaries to the Philippines. Listen, when they, when they went to the Philippines, they were single. She's from Australia. He's from uh, the Bay Area. They got married on the mission field, raising all their kids on the mission field. And let me tell you, every week they minister not to hundreds, but to thousands of kids. 
Every week, right? And because your generosity, we get a hand in that. Amen? Joyce Bergen, missionary to Asia. Uh, I could not find a picture of her without somebody else in it. She's a single gal, and we can't even tell you what country it's in because it's not an open country, but she's there serving as a single gal. And uh, listen, we can support all of these, and we got more missionaries. I couldn't put all of them up there because of your generosity. Amen? So I'm not done there. How many of you know addictions are killing people in our world? Amen? That's why, and I'm a, I hope to get a shout out, we support Christ-like service. And uh, it's so important. They actually went bowling. Look at them there. Uh, this was at our men's retreat last year. Listen, this is such a, an important ministry, and I love these guys. I mean, their uh, studies prove that faith-based recovery programs... They, they are like 60, 70, 80% successful over just what the world has. Amen. Let me tell you, worldly recovery programs are single-digit uh, success rate, like 6, 7, 8% that actually go in. It's about Christ doing that. And because we support them, because we're a part of this ministry, uh, we get to see some amazing lives change. I, I love being able to be a part of that. Another issue in our, our world is abortion. There's a lot of young girls that find themselves pregnant, and they're lost. They don't know what to do. And the world is saying, oh, just abort the baby, just abort the baby. Uh, we support, in Placerville, the Pregnancy Counseling Service. And uh, while we were at the fair, one of the gals came by, and she said, you guys are one of the only churches that are still supporting us. Wow. I know, that's sad, right? But we're going to continue to support them We want because what they're doing is offering services to ladies, young ladies that don't know what to do, giving them supplies, giving them counsel, helping them, you know, either to have their baby in a healthy way or to even adopt that baby out. Yes. Amen? So here's the thing. We want to be a generous church. It really isn't about us. It's about reaching others. Amen? Amen. Amen. Verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. What did it say? Every day. Every day. Sometimes we struggle once a week. I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. But here's uh, number eight. A healthy church is a committed church. You said they didn't meet just one, uh, once a week. It was every day. One of our commitments, listen, if you're a member of this church, we have people fill out a little thing. Is, uh, they say, I'm going to regular and faithful attendance. All right, anybody of you guys remember filling that out? Uh, and I'm just going to put a word out there because you don't want me to define regular and faithful. <laughs> Can I say that? Because for calling and I, I'm just going to, I'm not putting this out there boast. I'm just telling you that uh, when, since we've been married, we've probably missed church between 10 and 20 times, 35 years of marriage. And you're like, whoa, well, I can't obtain that. That's why I'm saying, you don't want me to define regular and a faithful. But how many of you grew up in a time where people went to church and they didn't miss it? Yeah. Some of you guys, you just didn't miss church. It was like, oh, it's coming. Uh, now it has become optional. It's, uh, and let me just say, when we were at one of our churches, uh, the, the, the kids are all adults now. But I remember they were gone one Sunday. And I just, let, let me just say this. If you want to know the truth about a family, how many of you know you've got to ask the kids? Like I remember, oh yeah, I could tell some stories. Anyway, anyway, I asked this kid, I'm like, oh, we missed you guys last week. Where were you? And he put up the quote fingers and he goes, we were sick. 
And he actually added his family name to that, so I'm not putting that out in case they happen to be watching it. But it was like they were so hit and miss all the time that that really concerns me because today none of those kids are going to church. They were raised to go occasionally, but they didn't learn that habit there. Let me just say this. Since the pandemic, faithfulness has really been redefined. Because pre-COVID, the average person missed one out of three weeks. So post-COVID, they missed one out of two weeks. That's not our church, thank God. But can I say that this really concerns me? Because we are in a time where we need hope, we need joy, we need community more than ever before, and people are walking away from the best place that they can find it. Amen? I'm concerned because this current rate is going to have long-term effects. It really is on people attending church because uh, uh, here's the thing. If we don't teach our kids right now how important it is, if it's just optional, if it's as long as I don't have anything else to do, and if I'm not tired, then we'll do it. Can I tell you, when they become adults, and I've just seen it, I've seen it over and over again, it won't be important to them. When they become adults, they won't go. Nah, I don't need that. We, we went occasionally as when, when we were kids. That's concerning. New unhealthy habits are being formed right now, and it's going to be difficult to break. How many of you know we still need each other? We still need to be together. The early church uh, understood that, and if it was important for them, how many of you know it's still important for us? I love this verse out of Hebrews, out of the Passion Translation. It says, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed a habit of doing. That's really all that is. It's a habit. What habit are you in? In order to start going on a regular basis, how many of you know it's got to be a habit I form into my life? That means there's times that I need to do it even when I don't want to do it because I know that it's an important thing to do. So uh, some have formed the habit because here's the reason we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. So whether you realize it or not, whether you acknowledge it or not, we really do. I know the American mindset is like, I got this. I don't need anybody. I'm just going to do this. No, we really do need each other more than you realize. Let me give you my week. On Wednesday morning, I get up early. Uh, I lead the Bible study for the Christ-like guys and a few others that come to that. And when I woke up this past Wednesday, I just felt a heaviness on me. I was like, what is going on? I felt something. I was kind of struggling Wednesday morning. And then I went to the Bible study. I did the lesson. But, but something happened in the process of that. And I felt like really encouraged and built up by the time it was over. Not because I was teaching something, but because of what the men and women that were in that group, I mean, they were giving some feedback, and it was like, by the time it was over, that that heaviness that I had on me was gone. It was over with. So I'm glad that I didn't pull away and neglect that meeting. I needed that. And then, you know, I'm walking you through my week. Thursday night, we have Thursday night prayer, and uh, we, we meet. I don't lead that. My wife leads that. And she always comes up with something, and I wasn't struggling on Thursday, but she started teaching about Ezekiel and where God was looking for a man to build up the wall, to stand in the gap, and and it was encouraging. And by the time that was over that day, I'm like, I felt more of a resilience. Lord, let me be the one standing in that gap. 
Right? I felt encouraged to pray more as a result of that. So I'm glad I didn't pull away and neglect that meeting. On Friday, our men's Bible study, let me just say this, we always have a good time. We have a lot of laughter, a lot of stuff, but we really get into God's Word. And we read out of 2 Corinthians 8, had a great talk about generosity, which I told them, like, I'm going to be talking about that on Sunday. That happens a lot. But things that are shared there, I mean, obviously we have some laughs in there, uh, but I really sense that we spur each other on in that. So, again, I'm glad that I didn't pull away and neglect that meeting. Because I get something out of it. Sundays, exactly the same. First service, second service. Listen, I want to challenge you. If you want to grow, if you want to be encouraged, if you want to be solid in your faith, we got to get committed. Amen? we got to get committed. I know a healthy church is a committed church. Amen? We don't need less. We actually need more. I don't need all that. Yes, you do. You may not realize it, but you really do. Uh, Let's move on. Acts 2.42 out of the message. They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home. Every meal was a celebration, exuberant, and joyful. Amen? When a healthy church gets together, it should be a celebration. So number nine in your notes, and I love this, a healthy church is a fun church. Is that a bad thing? I thought church was supposed to be all solemn and, you know, like a funeral. Have you ever been to a church that felt more like a funeral than a celebration? Like, what are we doing here? Can I just say this? It is okay to have fun in church. I believe it's not only okay, I believe it's biblical and healthy. Amen? We can laugh together. At times we can be a little silly. Like last week, if you missed it, uh, Pastor Colleen had three of the men up here singing for a prize, and uh, that was something. (laughs) That was something, right? Listen, I just want to say, if you're against having fun, you're probably going to be miserable here. I'm just telling you. And it's interesting because we kind of have this mentality, as the world gets more difficult, and it is, isn't it? Some want the church to be more serious and intense. And and, and people struggle with having fun. The reason is, is because they're feeling the weight and the pressure of this world. But didn't Jesus say to cast your burden on him? If you're still caring, it's time to cast it off. It's time to allow the joy of the Lord to be your strength. Listen, when the world begins to get more unfun, how many of you know the church should become more fun? Christians are not supposed to be boring. We're serving Jesus. We are on a joy-filled journey, even during difficulty and hardship. Amen? I love Jesus. I love being together. I enjoy laughing and sometimes silliness. I mean, there's a time for everything. But let me tell you, we need joy to be expressed. Amen? You may say, well, I'm a serious person. I don't like all that fun. I understand, but guess what? Not everybody's like you. We need to have that. Don't worry. At the end of all of the fun, how many of you know we're going to still boldly invite people to Jesus? Amen? Amen? Like I said, we had the three booths at the fair. There were three churches. The one that kept getting people coming was the one that had a little bit of fun. And who knows? Maybe more will likely come to know Christ because of that. Amen? They were continually filled with praises to God. I think you know where I'm going with this, that a healthy church is a worshiping church. How many of you know we like to worship? There's a difference between uh, a song time and a worship time. 
Anybody can sing songs. If we're just going to sing songs, let's pull out the campfire and the marshmallows and have some s'mores, all right? We're not doing that. We're worshiping. There's a difference in that. The Bible says that, that God loves our worship so much, it says that he inhabits the praises of his people. So you may not realize it, but when we're worshiping, God is building his throne in the midst of that. Amen. And that's why people are like, man, I felt something. You know, I had some. I remember when we were in Chico, we had a, a Chinese teacher that came. His English was, eh, it was okay, but it was struggling. And when, when we were up there, I mean, worship was going on. I asked him at the end what he thought. He goes, I didn't really understand something. He goes, but I really felt something. That's God. Right? It's God inhabiting the praises of his people. So I want to say our worship should be visible. It's okay to be expressive. Occasionally, we've had people complain like, oh, that person's too loud, you know. That person's getting a little bit too excited. I'm like, you must be at the wrong church then. <laughs> because when somebody gets loud and a little more expressive, guess what? You have no idea what they've been through. That's why their praise is there. Yeah. Amen. If you've been healed and delivered and you remember who did it in your life, you might just be a little bit expressive. That's okay. We want that. We want that. So uh, the Bible talks about a spirit of heaviness. How do you get rid of that? How do you get rid of that? Well, he says right here in Isaiah 61, these are exchanges God gives us to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Listen, how do you get rid of heaviness? You begin to worship God. Amen. Raise a hallelujah. Exactly. Lift it up to him. So uh, I'm almost done. Acts 2.47, uh, enjoying the favor of all the people. That wasn't just those within the church. That was the community. And I believe that's number 11. A healthy church is an influential church. How do we do that? By being loving, by being caring. By being unified and healthy. And as a result, we will influence our community more and more. Amen? And now the result of all 11 of these is verse 47. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's the result right there. So number 12 is a healthy church. I didn't have any more room. So a healthy church is an outward-focused church. And the reality is that when we are doing all of these when we're learning, when we're loving, when we're praying, when we're humble, when we're allow supernatural, when we're unified, when we're generous, committed, fun, worshiping, influence, all of that, can I tell you, God brings people into the kingdom. Amen? Listen, if we do those 11 things and we aren't outward focused, guess what? We miss it. We miss it. Like when a church is only focused on themselves, me, myself, and I, or maybe you've heard us four and no more, uh, I'm more concerned about my needs, my desires, my preferences, care more about me than other people receiving Jesus. Can I tell you, that's a death sentence for that church. It's going to die. It may take a while, but it's going to die. As a church, can I just say this? We refuse to turn inward and focus only on ourselves. Amen? If the church is the way you want it, and everybody's like you, your age, your stage of life, your color, your race, the kind of church, that kind of church lasts one generation and dies. Amen? I want to attend a church with people that are different than me. Amen? I don't want... Sometimes they may like music that I don't like. We need to learn to listen to it. I want to be a friend with older people, with younger people, with people the same age as me. 
God's church has got to be a diverse church. And I want to say this. I want a church where my grandkids grow up to be lifelong followers of Christ. How many of you want that? If you have kids or if you have grandkids, and, and I do have a picture, you'll have to look over there, of all my grandkids. <laughs> Two are born, three are not born. Uh, and, and if you don't know, so Abby is holding uh, number three right there. And uh, the other two is serving in the nursery right now with their mom, Heather. So uh, if I have to choose, I want a church that's designed to meet their needs rather than a church that's designed to meet my needs. Does that make sense? Some think, well, why does the younger generation get all the attention? Well, let me ask you this. If you have a young person at your house on Christmas, who gets all the attention? The kids are not like, ooh, what is Pop-Pop going to open up? They don't care. I may run out of gifts. So what? You know what? It's about the kids. And I refuse to be a selfish church consumer. Listen, when I was a teenager, people sacrificed to minister to me. Now I want to sacrifice to minister to them. I want my kids and my grandkids growing up sharing Christ. We should always be focused on the generation behind us. Does that make sense? Uh, I was just in my daily devotion. This got added into my sermon on Saturday because I'm just, I, I have a plan going through. But Psalm 78, it says this. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded, look at this, commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children, to the next generation, so that the next generation might know them, even the children not born. And they, in turn, will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hopes anew on God. Can I tell you, I, I want to see a church to where my kid, grandkids and uh, unborn grandkids will one day be teaching this to their kids. I'll be long gone. Maybe not long gone. Hopefully not too long gone. But anyway, <laughs> but they will be teaching that to their kids. Whatever. You know what? We have to, our job is to pass this, our faith on to them. Our job is for mature Christians to be outward focused, to think about people that don't know Jesus yet, to think about the next generation, whatever it is. So I want you to hear my heart because we are looking to build up God's kingdom. How many of you want to be a kingdom builder? Amen. And as we do this, listen, we believe that the church is going to grow. It's already growing. How many of you have noticed over this last year, things have grown, right? We're running out of room in our kids. We're running out of room in our nursery, uh, thanks to my family and others. But uh, <laughs> that's a good thing. So we're, we're believing God to grow things. So I want you to know that we are currently looking at what it will take to actually build on the 10 acres of land that we have over there. And listen, it's going to take a lot more. We have a com building committee, and uh, Dennis's wife, Kim, is the chair of that committee. A and listen... How's it going to happen? It seems impossible in our eyes, but how many of you know we still serve a supernatural God? Amen. The bottom line is that the church needs to grow in numbers, which it is, and we're going to run out of room. We'll start another service, but it needs to grow financially. It needs to grow in commitment. Amen. That means that I need to get involved somewhere. I need to find a place to serve if that's going to happen. And when all of those wheels are beginning working and all those 12 steps that we covered happening, uh, then God is going to bring the finances in. So, that, And this has been my commitment. We will never put the cart before the horse. 
What do I mean by that? Is that we will never have a building that comes before people. Amen? People will not be in bondage to serve a building project, but a building will serve the needs of the church. Amen? Does that make sense? And I believe that God is providing it. Listen, when we were in Texas, we outgrew our building. We had a tent out there where kids were at. It was crazy. And guess what? God provided. I believe the same thing is already happening here. So what is my challenge as we get ready to, uh, we're going to close with a song. But are you ready to commit to be in an Acts 2, 42 through 47 church? I want all of those. What that means is that God wants to build this church, his kingdom, through you. That means actually taking one of those invites and inviting somebody. Listen, we're bringing more chairs in next week. I know it's crazy, but I'm believing for 200 people in here. Amen? Amen. It can happen. It can happen. And, and, and you know what? If God brings 300, I don't know where we're going to put them, but we're going to figure it out. Amen? So that means that we find people. Does anybody have a neighbor or a friend or family member that doesn't attend church anywhere? So I, I'm, I'm not encouraging you to invite somebody that already goes to another church. Our job is not to find people from there and make them come here. We do not divide other churches. It's to find there's enough people that don't know Jesus, either that or just not connected somewhere that we can invite. So, yes, you're gonna, I'm going to challenge you. Step out of your comfort zone. Invite somebody. And you never know who's going to come. Like I said, our first service, somebody saw an invite card on a board at a gym and they came to church. How much more if you actually hand it to somebody and say, hey, I want to invite you to come. We'll never have another empty seat in here. And, and, and so that's one challenge. The second challenge is find a place to serve here. Listen, we have needs. We need to start a junior church, but we don't have enough people for that. We're barely getting our nursery staff. And thank God we got a couple other people that, that, that volunteer to serve in there. But we're, we we're seeing, we got to grow. We can become our own lid to growth, right? So the, how that happens is that I invite, I find a place to serve, find a place to be a part of what's going on. And uh, let me tell you, be committed. It makes a difference. Anybody ever gone into a church and there were like five people there? And you're like, oh, man, where is everybody? Nothing's happening here. Versus when you come to a church that's full of people, you can tell God is doing something. So find, a, you know, find it and say, God, I want to be committed. I want to see God do great things. But it's going to happen. Let me, let me go back to it. There it is right there. By all of those things right there happening. So can I have everybody stand? We're going we're gonna to sing a song. Build your kingdom. And I want to encourage you to make it a declaration. Ask God. How many of you know some of the songs we sing can become a prayer? Can become a prophetic prayer. So as we sing this song, I'm just going to encourage us all to, to, uh, to join in. And uh, if that is your heart, just make it a declaration unto God. Listen, I'm not going to have a formal time of prayer, but, but after that's over, if you need prayer for any reason, uh, then we have, uh, we have some people that will be up here. Come up there and get that. Don't walk away and think, oh man, people are leaving. We still believe in prayer. Amen. We still, and so you may be here and you need prayer, so they're going to be here, but that'll be right after we, uh, we do this song. So I'm going to let them lead that.